Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Everything Considered podcast with me, April, your host. I am joined once again by Tim O. Davis uh, from the Temple of the Universe. So great to have you. Uh, Always always enjoy having you, and and, uh, I take away a lot from our conversations. And Uh uh, so letting go came up. Yeah. You know, it's, you can't listen to a Michael A. Singer talk without having uh, letting go repeated at least five times, right? Right, right, <laughs> right. So, yeah, I've been thinking about that a little bit, and, and I wanted to just throw an idea past you today and just see what you, how you react to this. So, you know, we, we do coaching, right? And yes. there, there, there's a lot of different people who process the spiritual path in a lot of different ways, right? right. And, and even the... Um, the kinds of yoga are are somewhat defined in that because there's yana yoga and there's bhakti yoga and there's all these different ways to approach mm-hmm. the the realm of spiritual attainment, growth, or achievement. Yes. One of the groups that I find really interesting when I coach is, is there are people out there who really are in a business orientation, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to hear if you have that too. And, and one of the things that they um, seem to really appreciate are very specific skills or goals or very specific um, processes or techniques that they can use to progress spiritually because that's how they're used to thinking about their business. Any other thing that they've ever done in their life started with a plan, right? Yes. Yes. So I wonder, what do you think about that? Well, I I have run into that in my practice as well. Um, People like the bullet points. They want to get to the point. Some, Some people do. And sometimes in spirituality, that can be very difficult uh, to convey. So I'm really excited about what you're going to share today, because this is something that I've struggled with in my own practice about how to give people kind of more of, I don't know, a direction, you know, a system per se, you know, without really it being a system, um, so that people that are coming from that environment, and of course, our educational system is very much set up like that. So we're very conditioned to want some sort of a, a, a structure around yeah. what we're doing. So this is exciting to me because I want to I want to understand uh, your your thoughts on this and and maybe uh, put together some kind of a structure in my own practice, and maybe we can encourage others uh, to to do that as well. I, I think this will be fun. You know, I'm, I'm not 100% sold that this is a thing, but, you know, you only get there by exploring. So let's explore. All right, let's do it. Okay. So um, here are just some random thoughts that, uh, from the untethered soul that that um, come to mind. And this is a, a result. I teach classes on the untethered soul. You know, I have mm-hmm. groups of eight to 10 people who come and I've, I've actually published a workbook. And so some of these are related to that set of practices and skills that we talk about. And some of it, just like you said, just talking to people of a a kind of a a bent, you know, a a way of looking at this stuff. So the first one that I want to talk about is self-observation, right? Okay. So to me, that's like, if I, whenever I start with anybody, that's kind of the first place I explore, right? Is, is, um, how are you doing with your mind? (laughs) You know, that's Mm. always such a loaded question. And it like one of the things that I find that that we are all taught is that the mind is our strength. The mind is the mm-hmm. thing that's going to set us apart. We can fix stuff with our mind. We can earn money by by being smart. We can mm-hmm. get the partner we want by being smart and charming. Mm-hmm. And it's a real challenge under that 
way of thinking to actually start to watch your own thoughts. Have you, yes. So what's your experience with that? Well, I'm a human design specialist. So one of the main tenets of human design is that the mind is not the authority uh, that the body is, you know, and it's about tapping into your own inner knowing. Mm. Um, and and I, the problem I run into is we're such a cerebral uh, society that people have difficulty with that concept. And I try to teach them to observe their mind rather than participate in its antics. Um, but I, I think we don't even know really how to do that because we're we're so trained to constantly get in, involved in our, you know, internal ruminations. And I'm very interested, um, what is a technique that you could use to um, not get so involved in the the chatter that goes on in the mind. Cause I, str I struggle with this. I mean, last night I could not stop thinking for the life of me and I was observing it. Um, but I was also quite honestly, really getting caught up in it too. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing that I try to do is, well, okay, let's start with the, so a lot of, of the people that I work with, I have them read The Untethered Soul, just just, just mm. to have a structure, yes. too, right? And it creates a really nice framework. And the first couple of chapters are about watching the thoughts and just becoming aware that there is an observer of thoughts. And then there's this mind. Mm -hmm. And I love the description of the mind as being a thought generating machine. Yes. You know? So if you think about that, like it's a machine making thoughts. In the same way that your hand makes bread, right? Or your legs are used for walking miles. Like it's a tool that you need to do certain things. But not every tool has all the answers, right? Not every right. tool has all the things. And so just to first appreciate that the mind is a thing and you can look at it and see the thought. So that's the first. That it's not first you, concept. right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what people, most people think their mind is an accurate representation of who they are. And I love that you're pointing out that it's, it's a tool to be used, but it's, but not to identify with it being yeah. you. That's huge. That is really an important step. So just that realization is powerful because I, I work with you know, men in prison. And mm -hmm. when they think that they are their thoughts, it's incredibly stressful for them because, you know, you've, every human has a wide range of thoughts, some crazy, some twisted, <laughs> yes. some logical and beautiful and others that are just, you know, nuts. Right? right. So the second that you can accept that those are really no reflection of your true core being. It's really mm -hmm. powerful because you get to give yourself a break, right? It's just like a, it's, it's kind of a get off, you know, get, go past, go collect $200 kind of a thing. Right. Yes. Oh, that just feels like even hearing you say that just it's relaxing. It relaxes me. You know, I, I think that's so important. I couldn't agree more. So the way I start is, is just the way the untethered soul starts is just notice the mind. So the first chapter and the second chapter are really sharp about that. Just watch the thoughts happening. And, mm -hmm. and for example, one really useful technique is just to make your mind say stuff so that you can be the observer of your mind actually doing that. So just for the sake of that, I would say, 
April, say there's a microphone in front of me. Okay. Yeah, there's a microphone in front of you. And and then so just imagine yourself telling yourself, I'm gonna what I'm gonna describe, I'm seeing this microphone, I'm describing this microphone, and your mind is gonna react according to those commands. And that that order or that sort of initiation of thoughts is coming from a deeper place, the observer watching the mind create thoughts. Wow. So that's a great way just to get like just a little bit of distance, right? And just to mm -hmm. see that there is a distance and there's a subject object relationship. Wow. Yeah. Cause as you're speaking, I'm like, well, look what's it's going, the color, the shape, the distance, you know, like it's all coming, it's all doing its work. I can, I can hear the, the dialogue going on in my mind. It's so wild. Mm. And so just getting that awareness and the, the, the second chapter really goes into the, the inner roommate, right? Okay. And, and so that's yet a, a, a further um, deepening of that concept that you're not your mind because your mind can be kind of an asshole. You yes. Know? It can, it can just <laughs> really pick at us, you know, and, and, yes. and, and it's really hard to be aware and to catch it saying things and then just let it say things without needing to be responsive to what it says to mm -hmm. do anything it says believe anything you don't have to believe what your mind says i saw that on a bumper sticker the other day and i was like yeah that is so true right yeah so that first step is just to realize i think so i think that's like the number one skill is just to realize that there is some thing happening like there's an observer a capital s self and then there's a mind just making mm -hmm. and i love um i love the concept of going back to uh you know, that the sense of uh, evolution, right? And that, and this is just a random thought. So forgive me if this- Sure, <laughs> no, no, go for it. But, um, you know, like if you go back to caveman days, the, the those of us who survived were the ones who were very hyper vigilant to any kind of threat coming in, right? Yes. So in some sense, the ever and over vigilant mind has been perhaps- something that helped us to re to, to, to breed, to, to create and to, to stay alive in the world. So mm -hmm. it's an interesting thought that I, I really love that, that kind of genesis of why is it that we would be rewarded for having an overactive mind? Because mm -hmm. it's to a point, but then it stresses you out and you start to lose, you know, lifespan and power because of it. So it's pretty primitive, I think. And I, I can see, you know, if you had been going down this trail and yesterday there was a bear you know you might want to you know the mind before you even walk the next morning is think is telling you hey you're thinking about the bear so you're going to take another route and so i can see where that's protective it's it, it still i think probably serves us to a degree today but i think it like over serves <laughs> It's you like know? now you're thinking about the bear as you're trying to fall asleep and you're thinking about the bear when you're getting up in the morning and you're, you oh, don't want to go to work because there's going to be a meeting with a bear right. and, and there's <laughs> going to be, you know, this noise in your car that needs repair and I'm going to have to take the car to the bear. It's like just, you know, there's just this ever present over catastrophization of all that has to do with anything. And oh, so yeah. just seeing that that's happening, right? Just being aware. I think that's one of the key skills and, okay. and 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 so one thing I try to do is breathe like that. That's helped me a lot. And as soon as I notice 
my mind spinning just a little bit, I just go to a very basic Buddhist breathing practice. Mm -hmm. And I heard somebody explain it like this, is that breathing is such an amazing and powerful function in your body that when you're breathing fast, it's because you're exerting yourself or there's some risk or some thing that you're trying to either escape or process or work away from. So that can lead to panting, hard breathing over yeah. excessive breathing. Yeah. And in fear, we tend to hold our breath. We tend to constrict our breath and we and we just kind of freeze up. It's almost like a, a flight or flight, flight or fight syndrome kind of a thing. But when we're conscious and aware enough just to breathe into a count of four, mm -hmm. out to a count of five, it has this effect of just convincing your body that everything's mostly okay. You know, I think and I've been a shallow breather my whole life, you know, and, and up until a couple of years ago, I got, I worked with a, a gal that does breath work and she literally was kind of teaching me how to breathe normal. And I didn't realize, you know, like how I was just doing that so unconsciously, but it was constantly, it was creating all this tension in my body and I, that I wasn't yeah. aware of. I, I love that. Um, what the, the concept that you just said was being aware of tension in your body, mm, right? Okay. Like that, that's, that's, that's a really great sign of um, that you're, that you're aware of your thoughts because mm -hmm. there's a whole system. That's not just the thoughts, right? It's the emotions that are driving the thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that emotions are part of that cycle, right? That that maybe you are experiencing an emotion of sadness. And I swear, sometimes just having the emotion of sadness, some old memory of sadness, you see some picture or a movie yeah. that reminds you of someone and it's a hard breakup. And now all of a sudden the mind starts going because of the emotion and they feed off each other. Yes. Again, just having that that first little sign, you know, that that your mind is is doing things and it may not be taking you where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you catch it, ah, just start to breathe. Just like really focus on the breath. And I I found that to be very powerful. I, I work with my inmate fellows, my incarcerated mm -hmm. guys, and I work with people who are CEOs the same way. Just when mm -hmm. you start to feel the mind spinning up. Just create a pause by breathing and just mm -hmm. take a little bit of control over your, your sympathetic, your parasympathetic system. You just, just take a little bit of control over holding a vibration of peace and quiet and, and let the mind just kind of get a little quiet. So into a count of four, out to a count of five. Nice. That's, that's something that works great for me, but and then there's also things like going for a walk and, and in, in the longer term, there's journaling. So these are some real basic stuff just to kind of chart the track of the mind and start right. to make friends with it. So exercise would also be a very good technique. So being, observing yourself, learning to breathe um, like deeply and um, being aware of the tension in your body and then exercise is, um, you know, sometimes I'll go for a walk and I'll have some sort of problem or something on my mind and I don't know how it happens, but while I'm out there walking, it just, I, I get clear. I feel clarity come. It's just the movement. It's like, gosh, we're made to use our legs. Mm. <laughs> we're made to move. So true. And, and also, you know, when we exercise, we, we force ourselves to breathe at a nice rhythm and a nice cadence, right? 
So that's oh, in yeah. there. And it plus the, was it the, the endorphins start to flow a little bit, which might mitigate some, you know, stress and tension. It's yeah. Walking just plain old walking, you know, our, our most basic human function getting from point A to point B. Yeah. I think we, as a species walked a lot, which probably really helped with our busy brains. It's so many of us are kind of stuck behind computers or driving all over the place in traffic. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's all this pent up energy and it's like the mind, I don't know. It's almost like it starts to like get busy just to kind of help that energy to come out, you know? Yeah. You, I mean, who hasn't had anxiety driving into work, right? Just anticipating that first meeting, that first phone call, the boss, some deadline. It's like, yes. we're just that drive to work is just, it can be miserable for, for a lot of people. Yes. So that brings us to maybe our second skill, right? Okay. Letting go. Mm, okay. Ooh, that's a tough one sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> sure is. Um, yeah. And and like, I think that's one of those things too, where people say, oh, just let go. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. that. like what, what's really happening when, when one lets go, you know? Yeah. How do you let go? I mean, that that it seems like it's such a simple thing to let go, but it's really... It's really not. It, it can be very, very difficult to to let something go. I I I think um, on one level we suffer from having an exaggerated view of how easy it is to let go and how completely one can let go of something in in a short amount of time. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we start with that first skill of for you know mindful or mindfulness isn't quite right self observation but just watching your thoughts not identifying with your thoughts mm -hmm. once you're aware that they're happening and and like they're kicking up and that cycle is spinning up then often there's a particular point that's painful for us that's that's really driving the thoughts so the breathing to me is the first step of letting go it's just it's because yeah. you're realizing that something's happening and you're creating some space right to um you're creating some emotional space so that you're not overwhelmed by your thoughts and the breathing kind of uh, opens a sense of peace. So step one, for me at least, for letting go is just breathing. Breathing. And then step two is just to really watch carefully the thought. And this is where the expectation, at least for me, comes in because I hear so many people say, I don't know how to let go. I can't let go. And, and the fact is that just being aware of the traffic of, of thoughts leads us to try to push them away mm -hmm. or try to silence them. And those kind of thoughts don't do well with silencing. It's not a shut the hell up kind of a moment, you know? Yes. It's like... You're riding in a car and there's a song that comes on and you're not particularly interested in it, <clears throat> but you can't shut it off completely. And it's just like turning the volume down. That's it's kind of the way I think of it. Just turning the volume down, taking your intense focus off of the thought and putting it somewhere else. Right. And, and that's where some of the other techniques of like mantra, if you have something you like to repeat, or put a, put actually in real life, put a song on and sing to it right. or go for a walk, but just create some kind of diversion or distraction from that powerful thought that's dragging you into darkness or dragging you into uh, depression, anxiety, fear. 
So, so it's it, it it's kind of like you're giving the mind another activity, you know, like you're redirecting it, like what you would do with a toddler, you know, if you know they're hyper focused on something, you might introduce something else for for them to do. You're doing that for the mind. You're just kind of redirecting it. Right. Yeah. It's not repressing it. It's just redirecting it. That's that's so powerful what you just said, because telling the mind to shut up, being so offended by thoughts that we won't allow them to even come up is exactly what caused the problem in the first place, right? It's mm. that idea of suppression, creating a samskara, if you will, or some um, blockage that's like a trauma-based thing that's in our heart. Right. And the only way I know, and you know, there are many other people out there who have other ideas, I'm sure, but is that by acknowledging that pain, that trauma, and not suppressing it, you can allow it to come up on its own, right? Mm. So that's what let it to me. That's what letting go is, and and the sense of relaxation means you kind of open this channel, which frees it to escape. Now, it can be really unpleasant because if it's a painful moment from the past, some his something that happened in your history that really hurt, yeah. when it comes up, it's going to hurt again, and it's hard to keep your focus in those moments and breathe and relax and let it come up and just watch it leave. Mm -hmm. So letting go is, is a high degree of persistence and will and being able to stand inside, you know, discomfort. I think that's where we get tripped up as the resistance to the emotion that you feel as a result of these, of these things coming to the surface um, you know, just kind of trying to white picket fence it, you know, and <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Really. I'm fine. You know, yeah. But you down deep, you're not so much. So I like, I like it's gentle, very gentle. What you're suggesting is to have awareness around it and then do, then try to, you know, do introduce something to redirect it as opposed to, trying to, you know, kind of rip it out of your brain or, or even, you know, getting involved with the critical, you know, you start to, why are you thinking that again? Like, why mm -hmm. just let it go being rough, being really rough with yourself. It just, it's, it is a little bit like a, a small child. It's like the more you, you fight them, the louder they get. And uh, the mind is just like that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Getting thoughts to leave or the, the 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 painful center of painful thoughts is more like mm -hmm. calling a cat, right? It's like you can't yeah. make it do anything. You just have to give it the space to to leave. And and mm -hmm. I've heard Mickey say this that uh, when somebody asks him how long does it take to let go of that stuff, and he goes, "It's none of your business." You no, know? and it's really hard to hear that, but it's it's really true. It's yeah, we have no idea how long, how deep things are. We've gone our whole lives. You know, for many of us, we've gone our whole lives collecting painful moments and suppressing them because it was too hard to deal with them in the moment. And in that space of letting them come up and letting yourself feel them and doing that work that we talked about under that first skill and facing it without owning it, facing it, facing our thoughts without real, with the realization that they're not who we are, mm -hmm. we can start to relax with them. And, and, and in that space, Letting go 
is is kind of none of our business, right? It's just it's just we're doing it. We're we're opening. We're relaxing, and it tends to leave. Yeah. Without having to effort around it. Just yeah, and I think that's comfort. that's what you were talking about. Like you know, or when we first started this conversation, is there's this results kind of mentality, like not really involved not a, a resistance of wanting to be involved in the process because the process is painful. Just get me to the bullet point, get me to the result, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it because I feel that way often too. Like I don't really want to have to rehash this. I don't really want to have to go through this in my mind again. Um, but that harsh kind of, you know, rejection of the emotion or the thought just seems to amplify uh, that emotion even more. Yes. I, I love how you put that. It just puts more emotion around it. And that emotion is kind of the power system of the heart and it mm -hmm. drives that pain into our mind. Yeah. So some ways to at least help with letting go, you know, the breathing is, is, is a continuation of that process. The walking is too. I think journaling is really good. Mm. What, what's helped me a lot is um, starting to see patterns in my pain. And the, have you heard of the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule? Yes, yes. I, I, I firmly believe that when you are on a path of letting go and, and when you start to have the clarity to see it, there's something stuck in here. It keeps repeating it, and you call it karma. Like this thing keeps happening again and again in my life. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you're willing to sit with it and let it come up that in that first session where you consciously awaken to what's being released and maybe you put a name on it, maybe you don't, but you're letting that pain come up and you're facing it and you're breathing, relaxing. 80% goes with 20% of the effort. Like it's it's kind of amazing mm -hmm. how much of it can go. Yeah. So journaling about that. So you start to see patterns is really good. And um, watching dreams is really amazing because a lot of what we're talking about is dealing with subconscious, mm -hmm. right? The subconscious yeah. is a place where we hold more information about the blockages that we don't understand in our sort of waking mind. So mm -hmm. we can start to notice dreams and start to notice that, that what pushes our buttons and where we get really disturbed by things that, you know, don't seem like they should be that disturbing. So those are some techniques to kind of work with that and start to notice. That's so interesting. Yeah. I think the subconscious is kind of in the background, keeping a list. <laughs> oh, it, <laughs> it hears yeah. everything and never forgets anything um and it's difficult and one word you use that i feel is is really pivotal and something that i i try to work with a lot in my own practice are patterns and pattern recognition once you recognize it i always say you create a new world you create a new set of possibilities in your own life and you know, yes, they can be painful to look at, but it really can change your life. You know, when oh, you yeah. Say, oh yeah, I'm doing the same thing again, and I have the same relationship, the same outcome. It's all doing. It's the same pattern. You can catch yourself in it and have that awareness around it. Then you you can potentially create a new world for yourself. It's so true. It's so true, and I think that would be a really nice segue to that and one of the next skills okay next, and and that is um i don't know how else to put this okay. <laughs> pain tolerance <laughs> Ooh, yeah Ooh. yeah right because yeah. when you start to notice the pattern 
of things coming up, one of the signs that this is a juicy one, that this is something that's really messing up your life and your ability to be productive, effective, happy in most situations is the presence of pain, right? Mm, yes. So you talked about noticing patterns. Pain is inherently going to be a function of those patterns. It's going to be an element of those patterns. And being able to have the, you know, uh, they talk about how every in football they talk about how everybody has a plan until they get smacked in the face right <laughs> yes and everybody's got a plan for their spiritual growth until that moment of pain comes up and then it's like everything's out the window right it's like yeah Fuck it, i'm done i'm bailing <laughs> but that's it exactly <laughs> i'm doing whatever it takes drugs alcohol sex food shopping mm -hmm. all those things right to distract us yeah but the ability to um Breathe and relax through as much as you can handle reasonably. I just want to put it like that because it can be really, there's a lot of dark stuff that we store away. Yes. And as we start to face that with love for ourselves, without guilt, without shame, but with real compassion for the inner being that we are, for having to carry that pain, mm. we can start to breathe and relax and open and that's a really powerful way to let go. That's that's the essence. That's the real juice of letting go. Yeah, I and, like it. And one last thing, when you notice, when you relax around pain enough times, that pattern that you talked about so beautifully, you'll start to see that a deeper pattern of how you feel the next day. Mm. And when there is a real deep, powerful release, often, You'll sleep that night, you'll get up in the morning and you just feel amazing. Yes. Just from facing whatever it is inside you and being willing to let go. So that pain tolerance and being appreciative of what's behind the pain, what follows the pain, how that pain is actually a blessing and an opening of process leads you to that next day. And I think it's really important to look for that next day and be aware of that. Yeah, because it's hard when you're in the throes of it to have gratitude and it is, you know, and of course we want to run from it, you know, we, we want to get away from it, but the reality is it's, it's part of life, right? It's part of this existence and it's a teacher and it has information, valuable information for us. So being able to sit with that pain, whew, it's a, it's a big ask sometimes for us, but you know, minute by minute, sometimes, you know, it's minute by minute, you know, it's the old mm -hmm. adage from the 12 step one day at a time. Right. Yeah. So true. It's so true. And, you know, one of the beautiful things of 12 steps is that there is a pattern that you can follow and, and there's people to talk to. And, and I think that this is a really great place to interject an element of support oh, when yeah. you are in pain to have, a couple of people that you can talk to who recognize the pattern with you and know what you're up to and willing to, um, you know, hear you out. And, and so yeah. maybe that's another skill set is to, um, one, another, one of the skills is to cultivate spiritual friendships, spiritual relationships. I think that's very important. And I, and you had said something about giving space to ourselves. And I feel like, when in these relationships, a very valuable skill is learning how to give space to one another to mm -hmm. do that. You know, I mean, 
I, I just, I have struggled with that because I feel like I felt like I have to fix it for them. Mm. And so rather than just let them have their feelings, you know, I find myself wanting to solve it. So it's been a, a skill that I've been really working hard to cultivate is just to kind of be a witness of it as opposed to go to work to try to repair it or fix it. But it it's just that it's kind of a knee jerk thing. I, I think it's probably conditioning that we feel like we have to save everybody. Yeah. Be the hero rescue. Be the hero, <laughs> you know, uh, rescue. I think that's why I went into the medical field years ago, because that was kind of like a pattern in my life. But sometimes rescuing is, you know, is not appropriate. Sometimes just being there and, and being a witness to someone as they process it, you know, and like you said, talk about, even talk about it, or maybe not even talk about it. Maybe just sit with them and let them be, you know, let them breathe, breathe together, breathe together. If that's, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So that's a skill that I've been working hard to kind of cultivate in my own life with others because I immediately, my mind will go to work on a solution, you know, yeah. I'm, I'll fix it. You know, and it's like, no, you know, this is something that they need to process. And maybe I can just kind of be a sacred witness to their process. Yes, that's really beautiful. And, and, you know, another sort of related set of skills is being a good listener mm. and actually the power to actually listen to somebody all the way through their complete thought without making, you know, a plan or a judgment or a connecting thought, feeling like there is even has to be something to say afterwards. It's right. Beautiful. Yeah. We have a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough. We have a lot of words and uh, yeah. And then, and like, and that's all the anxiety in the mind, you know, so maybe for me and for people like me, it's letting go of the thoughts that want to interfere in this process, you know, even yeah. if it's well-intended, you know. So next on the list. Okay. I'm going to say, and, and these, this, this is just a, you know, hypothetical, you know, use case of, of a list of skills, but I think it's fun to talk about. Next is surrender, right? Mm, okay. So this one's tricky because again, when you're talking about the kind of people who like a list in the first place, surrender is not at the top of their uh, objectives for life at all. No. <laughs> but um, I think um, a way to look at surrender is that life is going to do what life does. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and of course there are ways to manipulate control, set intentions, you know, work with the, quantum field to have it produce what you need, want, desire. But at the same time, life is doing something and it is still is bigger than us in the moment. Mm -hmm. And to be okay with that, to be accepting of that. And I, I, you know, I get the sense in a lot of relationships that there's a time when it's really difficult for people to accept um, behavior of other people. Right. And I'm not saying that all behavior should be accepted, so to speak, but there is a sense that we have to acknowledge that something is happening and that it's real and that 
we don't get to deny that something happened. We, we don't get to pick and choose what other people do to make us happy. I'm just going to put it like that. That's good. That's good. So yeah. in, in that, so I'm calling surrender, in essence, a, a relationship with reality. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the surrender part really has more to do with our own ability to see and let go of our needs not being met. Yes. And I want to I want to be really careful about how I say that. Everybody has needs. Everybody has food, clothing, etc. But often we create conditions and expectation around expectations around people that's not fair that they can't meet or that are only inherent in our own belief system. Right. And it's really important to run everything that we expect, all the expectations that we have from other people through a filter of, is that fair to the other person or right. is it, or is it real? And to give that other person the space to be, like you said, react to their own trauma, their own problems, their own hot buttons being pushed, their own issues. That's so that's what surrender means to me. How about you? I I really love that um, because it takes the burden off of me to treat them like a project, mm. you know, someone to be fixed or repaired. Who's not, you know, like it takes the burden off of them from feeling like there's something like they're not measuring up. Um, I think that's, I think it's really, I have in, been married 35 years and that's a really you know, that was a big aha moment, I think, for both of us when we um, learned to be more accepting of each other's imperfections and shortcomings and maybe not even judge them as that, like that's just personality quirk or, you know, and then when the other person's having emotions to not feel like you need to shut that down, just let them be who they are. The founder of human design has this beautiful quote that um, I I tell myself a lot, <laughs> you know, when I when I go to those places of expectations, um, if you love someone for who they are and they love you for who you are, that is love. Anything else is madness. Yeah, because um, yeah. if we have a goal to to change somebody or fix what we perceive to be broken, it's not a very loving way to behave you know but again i want to be careful as you were and say you know you know sometimes there's there's some needs that can't be denied those are important to be addressed but i think we create a lot of things in our mind that are maybe um not reasonable i i couldn't agree more and i think one key indicator of that is when there is an overabundance of emotion mm -hmm. around something and and I think the the surrender part is to accept the reality of the situation that there's a lot of emotion and that emotion probably isn't really going to help solve the situation that whatever growth or progress will be made in interpersonal relationships is going to come from some sense of clarity and letting go and that as spiritual people we don't have a right to ask of other people to be the ones to let go. I, I want to put right. it like that, that, that yes. we have, we can only work on ourselves and, and there, there's tremendous power in that.
It's not yeah. easy. It's not yeah. easy. And I don't I don't think we should downplay the difficulty of that. But at the same time, it's the only thing that works. We don't get to make other people behave in certain ways to make us happy. Right. And if that's the mentality, then, you know, this is, you know, it'll be one you'll you'll put that into all of your relationships and that'll create a lot of disharmony. So it's like, yeah, just ha being accepting, so surrendering, you know, things that are really not, you know, a big deal, like really not a big deal. Um, the mind just loves to go to work and create all kinds of stories and narratives around that. And it likes to be in that role of it's, you know, someone's doing me wrong, you know, <laughs> right? Everybody, so, there's a little bit of victim in all of us, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. I, and we all, you know, I, I, I continually find, find her in there, you know, <laughs> she's ready to tell us a good story. Right. And uh, yeah, that's part of our work. I think, I think that's part of the work, you know? That's so good. that's a really good segue into what's probably going to be our last, you know, skill for today, which is um, keeping one's heart open. Okay. Oh, yes. Because, you know, within all the emotions that a human carries within all of the expectations and the pain and suffering that we accumulate, and then we combine that into relationships, once we allow our heart to close, it's really difficult to make any positive ground with any of that stuff. Closing the heart keeps us from releasing the baggage that we're carrying. It keeps us from releasing the trauma. It 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 creates situations where no one's... If there's no heart, there's no reason for anyone else to want to work with us. Oh, that's so true. All yeah. we're, if all we're handing out is criticism, critique, and negativity, it's not going to lead to healing. No. And we have to take a look at our heart. It's, it's, really, it's really powerful to take a look at one's own heart. And we're talking about the spiritual heart. We're talking about the energetic source of emotions, mm -hmm. and energy. And the fluctuations of the human heart are really difficult to manage. And sometimes the best we can do is realize that the heart is closed and we are angry and we're pissed off and there's nothing positive to come from this moment and just go for a walk and breathe right. and do those other things and give our heart a chance to, to be okay for a moment, to just breathe, open, mm -hmm. you know, straighten up the spine and just kind of settle back into uh, some sense of, inward peace that you can now face the situation with yes but as you good. think about people you love the people that you care for and the people that you want to maintain relationship with as you approach them having that intention to keep your heart open is, is incredibly, important. It's oh, incredibly important absolutely i love i love that we're ending on this because i think this is this is the key to so much of what causes problems in our world is not having an open heart towards one another and you're right sometimes just getting a little space going for a walk you know taking a shower whatever it is give yourself a little space mm -hmm. to kind of recover so that when you do interact with your loved one whomever that might be you are coming from that space of having an open heart and that brings so much communication it builds a bridge is what it does it really does it's it's hard to talk to somebody who doesn't doesn't respect you, love you, care for you, have some sense of your best interest at heart, right? And yes. when we close our heart, that's the vibration we kick off. That's the vibration we carry. 
And many times we can't even tell when our heart closes. We just fall into defensiveness, fear, and anxiety. And we it's hard for us to know, but our spouses or people close to us almost always can tell. There's a oh. furrowing of the brow and expression of the face that says, your heart's closed. And mm-hmm. it's a kind of a keep away sign. Yeah, you can feel that. You can definitely feel that when another party has their heart closed to you. And it's very difficult to resolve anything that way. And uh, I, I I love the awareness of, you know, tapping into being aware that that's happening in yourself. You're not bad because it's happening. It's your body. You're trying to protect yourself. It's normal. But once yeah. you have awareness of it, you can take steps to kind of rectify that situation within yourself. And I, I, that's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful way to close this out, Tim. All right. There's a few steps. So we'll yes. with that and see if that works out. So I hope some of your listeners let let us know how they uh, they work with those steps. Yes, please uh, like, comment, share beneath um, this podcast. We want to know your thoughts and your feelings about this, and and uh, even your stories where you felt like you know you were able to to kind of do some of these things and the results you got. So yes, please mm-hmm. share with us. And again, just want to thank everyone for joining us today. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming once again. I'm so grateful to have you. My pleasure. My pleasure. And um, we'll see you next time, everybody. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Take care, April. You too. Mm -hmm.